This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. This seems like a really good opportunity, considering the news the last 24 to 36 hours here on Cardinals Underground. Paul Calvisi, Danny Sarek, Darren Irvin, to remind you that there are five. I said five. Count them five purge movies. The Purge, The Purge, (laughs) Anarchy, The Purge, Election Year, The First Purge, The Forever Purge, and then Purge, Roster Reconstruction, which continues into October. A new punter. Moments before we cracked these microphones, uh, we had changes in the secondary coming off that game at the 49ers. So, Darren, uh, you wrote all about it, azcardinals.com. Go ahead, fill in some of the blanks and some of the names that are coming and going. Well, I mean, first of all, Paul, I'm surprised you you didn't want to just take the punter stuff yourself. You are a, a punter guy. <laughs> no. And, and so the change in punter. But, yeah, they, they moved on from Nolan Cooney, which – I I guess I'm a, a little surprised. He had he had one very bad punt at the end of the San Francisco game, but his other two punts yeah. were pretty good. Yeah. I, I thought maybe he might be on double secret probation. That's possible. I, I didn't really expect a change, but I'm guessing maybe it was necessitated or they viewed it as an opportunity when the punter, whose name actually Blake Gilligan, Gilligan, not Gilligan, not as an not like Island, but Gilligan, Gilligan, gotcha. Okay. Not not like Gilligan's Island, which is a TV show that was from the 60s, which is a little bit older than Happy Days, which a local columnist decided to reference in a column the other day, which was really kind of funny to me because somebody like Danny has no idea what that's all about. I but. have heard of those shows. Anyways. I've seen a few minutes of Happy Days. But Danny but does... what's a newspaper? What's a column? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Okay, that was well done. Danny does know Gilligan hats, though, courtesy of Sean Payton, that's true. correct? So we do have that out there. Yes. Yes. Blake Gillikin is the new punter. He he punted for the Saints the last two years and then lost a punting battle uh, in training camp this year. So they brought him in. And honestly, I'm sure he can do a fine job punting. My first thought is, again, that's the holder for Matt Prater, who's off to a good start this year, eight for nine. So you wonder a little bit about that. Uh, They also moved up safety Joey Blunt who they just got off onto the practice squad a couple weeks ago he's now on the roster and they got rid of a couple DBs uh Chris Boyd uh and Christian Matthew the cornerback and you know Chris Boyd got a little hot-headed at the end of the 49ers game and during the 49ers game I don't know if that had anything to do with the move at the very beginning of the 49ers game there was the beginning the middle the end and then the real end yeah yeah right I'm wondering if, if that's JG or the front office making a point possible possible uh and then again like i said christian matthew moves on so as of this recording they still have a couple of roster openings and of course they have a couple of guys on ir that are eligible to have their windows open at least this week and who knows if they're healthy enough maybe they 
just jump right back onto the roster. Guys like Dennis Daly, the backup offensive lineman, uh, and then um, who am I? Missing? Garrett Williams. No, no, I wasn't. Mindy Sanders. Mindy Sanders is the linebacker. Yeah. Garrett Williams may be the cornerback who's on NFI. Uh, and again, all these guys they have these roster spots open, but at the same time. Any of these guys coming back, they get up to three weeks once they come back to be put on the roster. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what direction this is going to go. And uh, hopefully this part of the podcast isn't completely horribly outdated in 24 hours. But um, we'll see. I'll say this. If Joey Blunt, the safety they called up, if he can tackle, he'll play. Because there were a lot of missed tackles out there against the 49ers. And it wasn't re- a good day out there, Paul. You realize the importance of a Buda Baker, how Buda Baker in a lot of ways is singular. In fact, I asked at halftime, Rob Fredrickson, and I asked Lorenzo Alexander the same question on the Red Sea Report this week. If you would have had Buda Baker, how different would the outcome have been, especially when it comes to Christian McCaffrey? For example, could you make that pretty rare slash unconventional move and put Buda Baker as a spy on a running back? Would Buda Baker have been someone who would have shadow dare I say traveled with Christian McCaffrey in that game because for example when these two teams play again and it's gonna be mid-December and by the way I'm not predicting a W but I am predicting a bloodbath because there were a lot of guys in that locker room who are very much looking forward to a rematch with the 49ers I can imagine and I'm just curious what the Cardinals do differently defensively if there's anything you can do because my feeling and it hasn't happened a lot in all the years been watching the NFL is that man what do you do against Christian McCaffrey? He was that good. He had a hat trick in the first half, three touchdowns, and later got a fourth touchdown. It wasn't just Christian McCaffrey, though. Brandon Ayuk was a problem. Yep. And he go was... Devils. Sorry? Go Devils. Oh, did he go to ASU? How could you even ask that question? Of course he did. How could you ask, how could I ask that question when I just asked that question? <laughs> Danny, for this moment, uh, you're dead to Darren. Just going to say that because you didn't So should even... I get up and leave? Do I have to finish the podcast? <laughs> no. oh, where boy. was I? My yeah, point being, where were you? Brandon Ayuk was a problem. He was getting open. He was wide open. There was a play, a 42-yard catch from Brock Purdy to Brandon Ayuk. And there were two Cardinals defenders, Jalen Thompson and Marco Wilson. And you know what? Brock Purdy ended up making the smart yet risky decision he made the pass, and Brandon Ayuk caught it. And that's a problem. The yards after catch was a problem and part of the tackling. So while I agree that when they rematch, I believe in December, yep. right? Maybe the first game after the bye 17th, week. 17th, I think, yep. First first game after the Cardinals bye. Um, Late bye. You absolutely have to account for Christian McCaffrey. You cannot have somebody running all over you the way that he was, although he is top running back in the league right now for a reason. There are other aspects Given, yes, George Kittle wasn't a big factor in this game. Debo Samuel, but he's been hurt, so I'm not sure how much of a factor it was intended for him to be from the 49ers standpoint. But it wasn't just Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the secondary in tackling and and defending those passes was also a problem. Did anyone ask Nick Rallis or any member of the Cardinals defense whether they made an adjustment on Brandon Ayuk over the course of the game because he had a 16-yard catch followed by an 11-yard catch, a 42-yard grab, a 25-yard catch, a 34-yard catch, and a 20-yard catch. Make it stop, and they couldn't. And I'm wondering if, for example, maybe they took some of the defensive attention they had allocated to Debo Samuel at the beginning of the game, realizing, oh, Debo doesn't quite have that burst. He's not 100%. Maybe we should go ahead and give extra attention to Brandon Ayuk, although Danny mentioned there were two defenders on him during the one play, the 42-yarder. And that's the thing is, like, I don't – 
I had somebody ask that some something similar in the mailbag. I know I nobody asked Rallis that. I don't know if anybody asked a defender. I know that somebody asked like, "Where? Why don't you make adjustments to stop Ayuk?" And but like, who's? I don't know if they did or not. But like the way their offense runs, Rallis did say this. He goes, "I don't know." They do a pretty good job of spreading it around. They just were yep. finding the holes, and I, I don't. I mean, again, if you make an adjustment to Ayuk, and then all of a sudden George Kittle starts killing you, then it kind of is what it is. I mean, it's not like, and I agree with the Debo Samuel thing. He was dealing with a rib injury, and he clearly wasn't himself, and they weren't necessarily looking for him. And I don't know if the no targets to him, and that's crazy to me that he had no targets and played in a whole game. Um, if that was intentional but I mean Brock Purdy completed 20 of 21 passes so he's obviously was going in the right places and Christian McCaffrey was running the ball really well and I I don't know I to me I mean George Kittle had one target one catch it was big it was fourth down it was a conversion but there's no doubt Brock Purdy was seeing the field and going through his reads and and that's the thing and he had time if, if he had time which is a big thing for me like there were times where he threw it quickly, and, and that's kind of the hallmark of the 49ers. But there was other times where he just had time. And this is where you talk about the injuries, and we talk about Buda Baker being out. I just think the, the, the way you've lost defensive linemen and the way that's kind of gone, eventually that's going to catch up to you in terms of pushing the pocket. And they just have a really smart offense. And if he understands before a play – I mean, Brandon Ayuk killed him, yes. But – it's not like he had 15 catches. He had six catches. They were all big, but like over a course of a game, I don't know if I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, the guy's been targeted six times. We've got to really adjust to him. You know what I'm saying? No, like, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. and look, I think that's why Jonathan Gannon, after the game, made a point to start with the coaching, even though I'm not, I'm not taking that as a credible uh, reason they lost the game. The coaches weren't culpable, but you can't put it on the players. Because you're so undermanned on defense. The talent disparity on the defensive That's where I'm line putting the loss. was so vast. I mean, look, they got Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and first-rounder Javon Kinlaw. They are so deep, and the Cardinals are missing arguably their top three defensive linemen in that game. So right there, game over in a lot of ways. That's why, as, as the head coach, you, you can't put it on the locker room. Not when they came back from 21-3. Not when you came out at halftime and said, keep swinging, keep swinging. That's the message, keep swinging. And your team gets a stop to open the second half and then goes 99 yards, only the third 99-yard drive by a Cardinals offense since 2001. You did it against that Niners defense to make it a five-point game late third quarter. So there's no way you can put that on the Cardinals players for what they brought. Now, did they have enough players? Well, that's part of the process, part of the purge right here. That's why you're you're hoping the next time you see the Niners or even next season that you're more equipped because, let's face it, the Niners right now are the benchmark. That was their ninth straight division win. There's a reason 49ers are one of two undefeated teams, the other being the Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco is stacked and complete across the board at every position. It's very impressive the team that they have put together and how they have retained so many players and coaches throughout these last couple years to have that chemistry which gives you an advantage the Cardinals team is interesting as a whole when I think about the performance from the first two weeks Washington and the Giants 
And then what we saw from this Cardinals team against the Cowboys and against the 49ers. And it's impressive to me that you have seen the growth week after week. Because I think after week one in Washington, after seeing that performance, given, right, you had a brand new quarterback who had barely a week with this team. If I would have sat here and said to the two of you, the Cardinals back-to-back weeks are essentially going to make two of the best defenders in the league and Micah Parsons and reigning defensive player of the year Nick Bosa a non-factor. They're going to keep themselves in the game. They're not going to get derailed being held scoreless in the first quarter to the 49ers and find a way to keep themselves in it. If I would have said that to you even, I would have been a little surprised. So it's interesting to see when you think about the growth of this Cardinals team through the first month and that they have faced back-to-back two very, very good defenses and I think have done the best that they could, not just the offense, but the team as a whole. It's been interesting just when you think about the last two weeks compared to what those first two games looked like. I mean, we could probably have a healthy debate. San Francisco 49ers, are they better on offense or are they better on defense? I mean, that's how loaded they are. Yeah. Uh, to me, they, they are the favorite in the conference. So, all right, you have that. By the way, there was a Laura Oakman. She's uh, the Fox sideline reporter on the TV side. And someone mentioned that she had a report towards the end of the game how impressed John Lynch was, the Niners GM by the Cardinals. Okay, that's that's great, but um, I don't know. Is that sort of a hollow platitude from the Niners GM, sort of a backhanded compliment in a way? Yeah, I, I took, is that, a, I is took that, a better. I mean, is that revisionist history? Because, um, hello, GM of the 49ers, you got swept by the Cardinals in 2021. It wasn't that long ago that you lost to the Cardinals. So I don't. I wasn't sure how to take that. Oh, see, it, I'm, I was the other way. I, honestly, the first thing I thought of was – that's how far this team fell last year because John Lynch is probably just going off of last year. I mean, they did finish the year last year, and it was just this. What were the final scores last year? Weren't they like 38-10 to 10 and 30-10 to 10 or something like that? It was, it was some, Oh, here it is, 38-13, 38-10. Not radically different than 35-16, to 16, yeah, but, right? But, but to your point, yeah. Totally different games. Yeah, okay, there you go. Completely different. I mean, Mexico City was not competitive. Ugh, I don't want to talk about Mexico City, Paul. Not competitive. Too much tequila? No, that game just... (laughs) Yeah, that game was no bueno. So, okay, in in one hand, I can see where John Lynch says, oh, oh, this is eye-opening. Because yes, it has been eye-opening. Even for those of us who are around the team every day, that game was a lot more competitive. You were a lot more undermanned in a lot of ways than those teams last year. Obviously, and and that was a five-point game going into the fourth quarter, and you came back from 21-3. Last year, you get down 21-3 to the 49ers, game over. I mean, it's 41-3. to And that's that was the thing that really stuck out to me was when it got to be 21-3. to I was scared on the sidelines. I'm, I'm like, thinking, this is going to get sideways. Well, so, like, for what I do on a road game is I – well, after every game, I'm writing a short little quick game story, very short, to post right away as soon as the game's over. And then I uh, kind of do a longer version. I was thinking to myself, okay, this is in some ways good for me if it's a blowout because at halftime I can already start getting my stuff ready for post game. It's long been decided. Because for me, road games and getting on a plane and trying to get all this stuff posted before we take off, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's, it's not fun. Nobody's busier than Darren Urban after a game. <laughs> I will definitely a great, game. in the power pole of being furious uh, after a game. It's Darren number one. So, 
I, that's what I thought of. But to your point, Paul, like that's that is exactly what didn't happen. And yes. yeah, it looks like thirty-five uh, to sixteen, or yeah, thirty-five sixteen was a bad final, but it did not feel that way after the game at all. Now they got the extra touchdown at the end. Like there was two things. One, <clears throat> it felt like when Dobbs got sacked on the penultimate. Uh, Cardinals possession where they couldn't even kick the field goal and they had to punt and actually Nolan Cooney had a thirty-one or twenty-yard punt and that Ouch. messed up his day. Um, that felt like the end of the game. And then the 49ers drove down, scored one more touchdown, and then Josh Dobbs essentially had not that it would have mattered, but had two touchdowns that he should have thrown on the last two passes and were basically dropped by Ertz and Pascal. So there was the penultimate drop by Ertz and yes. then the final drop by Pascal. Yeah. Both should have been touchdown yes. passes. So, I mean, and again, the score looking nice, quote unquote, isn't doesn't help anybody, but it did it did feel completely different. I mean, I, I think I think to last year when that last game in San Francisco and I think to myself oh. I, I thought to myself at the time, oh. thank God JJ Watt A had a good game and B this is the story today because there's nothing else to say. And I'm sure Hard Knocks felt the same way. Yes, that's <laughs> true. Covering this team all yeah. season. Yeah, no thank doubt. Thank goodness we have the JJ story. Yeah. So look, I mean, you got a Cardinals team that uh, honestly a couple of takeaways right here. Let's hit zoom out for a minute. Okay. They beat Dallas based on what the Giants looked like on Monday night. Oh, that's going to hurt for a while. Man, the Cardinals should be 2-2. Two and two. There's no doubt about it. And now when you look at the Bengals and how bad the Bengals look at 1-3, and three, because once again, there's a final score and then there's the reality of the game. Just like last year versus this year, you have a Bengals team that's 1-3, and three, much different than the 1-3 and three Cardinals team in our humble estimation. I mean, to me, this is a game you need to come out and you need to make a statement early at home, get back to the first three games of the year, get that fast start, get a lead, and snuff out, extinguish any belief that the Bengals are going to pull off a road win because based on what we just saw in Tennessee, I mean, Cincinnati is struggling and then some. Not just the offense. The defense ranks bottom half, bottom third in most categories in the league, and their passing defense is like, all their passing defense numbers is like 30, 31st, 32nd. Same with, I believe, third downs. Like, there's some opportunities for this Cardinals offense, Josh Dobbs and those wide receivers specifically, to really take advantage of a struggling Cincinnati defense. Luana Rumo, who, who actually interviewed for the Cardinals head coaching gig, I think he made the first cut, right? Didn't he have a second interview? He's the DC for yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. And he said after the game, or I guess on Monday after you looked at the film, we missed a dozen tackles. That's a three year high. So there were a couple of guys in the Bengals' defense talking about, okay, um, we got down in that game. Tennessee led 24-3 to at the half. Was everybody all in? I'm going after tackles with 100% ferocity. So were guys checking out of that game? Uh, put it this way, Tennessee scored three touchdowns in one quarter. You realize the Bengals have scored three offensive touchdowns all year. It's, it's not a direct parallel by any stretch of the imagination because – the Cardinals weren't this bad but if the Bengals end up kind of getting sideways and never quite get there get back to where they want to this season this this what they're doing right now reminds me so much of the 2016 Cardinals where there was they they didn't quite get there the year before people thought they were going to make the Super Bowl the next year and it just never came together and then there's 
just historically how much change there is from one postseason to the next. Last year, seven of the 14 postseason teams had not been in the playoffs the year before. 50% turnover. So now, look at the Vikings. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Look at, who's the other one I'm forgetting right now? Giants. The Giants, yes. Look at those three teams right there. All of them were viewed as automatics to make the postseason. And all of them were one and three. And all of them, honestly, at this point, look like long shots. How about the other way around, Paul? Okay, let's go. Houston Texans, that team that the Cardinals need to lose so they get a good draft pick, are two and two. That's right. And they hammered the Steelers. Yes. Like last year, Jacksonville had the first pick in the draft. The very next year, they they won a playoff game. So, yes, there's the other way around. (laughs) The teams at the bottom can turn it around. So, As of right now, everybody, uh, I think the the Cardinals have the – would have the eighth and the thirteenth pick of the first round. Well, I'm pretty sure Chicago has one and two, don't yeah, they? they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, so, okay. For Paul, hashtag yeah. it can always get yeah. worse. Yeah, you know what? I, that's, so we're we're at the quarter pole of the season. I get it. And so now people are actually looking at uh, you know what, where the draft would stand at this point. You're getting some early returns on teams. I get it. But the quarter pole also means that a certain quarterback is eligible to come off the pup list. That's a good point. Where are we? in that whole process and it has been a process it will be a process but and i get it we probably won't get a definitive read until about 24 hours from this recording wednesday practice day correct i mean at that point you're going to know whether he's going to be active this week or not. i am feeling pretty confident kyler murray is not going to be have his practice window open this week okay you know who i am semi-confident will who's that rookie cornerback garrett williams Really? It is interesting to me that you cut two cornerbacks. He has been rehabbing. Williams he tore his ACL last October. Um, hasn't seen the field, obviously, throughout offseason or anything like that. But when we've been out at practice during the open media portion, Williams is on the NFI. It's similar to the pup list. He's not allowed to practice. He's not allowed to do any drills. He's not allowed to pick up a football. But he has been more... Active, I guess, as active as you can be around that position group and and watching drills more closely. And so to me, that that could possibly mean maybe he doesn't have as much rehab he's having to do. Maybe they are expecting him to return soon. And so, right, everybody wants to make sure that he is not just understanding the scheme, but understanding how practice works. Right. Of like, what, what is the process of practicing? That could be me seeing something and it's not anything at all. But I think when you make the move to release Chris Boyd and Christian Matthew and your rookie cornerback is now eligible to come off the NFI list, makes me question if those decisions are correlated. Do you know Garrett Williams could walk through here right now? I would have no idea. I honestly, yes, you would. No, yeah, that's, that's I don't, terrible. No, honestly, I don't. Garrett, don't listen to this. <laughs> no, I, We I, still I, love you, Garrett. No. Maybe because I missed him on the, the draft day or what, we were on the air or something. I'm not sure how it is. but He I, had a I, press conference, Paul. Where were you? Yeah, I must have missed that somehow. I don't know why or how. Get to but, work, Paul. But I very much welcome <laughs> welcome his presence. I mean, that would be great news, Danny, if all of a sudden he's out there Wednesday at practice. Now, I don't expect him to play on Sunday. Who knows? And there's a three-week window to there's actually be activated. There's a three-week window to be – again – there's not only a three-week window to be activated the 53-man roster, but just once you're put on the 53-man roster, there is no rule that says you have to be That's active. True. You're right. So That's true. you yep. could you could 
have three weeks. They could activate you to the 53-man roster, mm-hmm. and then they could still keep you inactive for a couple weeks okay. if they wanted yeah, to. I get it. So, you know, who knows what, what that means in terms of when he might get back on the field. I understand Danny's right in terms of the numbers uh, the, to kind of how it goes, and, and, and we'll see where it ends up. But it, even though they – I don't know why they would cut a cornerback this week. Garrett Williams is absolutely going to be a guy that's not going to be on the active roster right away. That would stun me. He hasn't played football or practiced football since October, right? November, whenever yeah. he blew out his yeah. knee. Last October. So – I mean, even more so than Kyler, he's gone even longer without practicing football. And, and once again, like we mentioned earlier, Chris Boyd and Christian Matthew were involved in some of the extracurriculars, some of the non-winning behavior, if you will, during the game against the 49ers. And when you're at the very end of the 53, yep. guess what? Tolerance is not nearly as high as if you're an all-pro player. Seems like that no-fighting rule from training camp Extends yep. beyond training camp. Hashtag non-negotiable. Those were the words from yeah. Jonathan Gannon. Remember that? Yeah. So maybe that was in play. All right, so let's go from one third-round rookie to another. How about that for a segue into Michael Wilson? It's like you're professional, Paul. Michael Wilson. He's too busy working on the segues to go meet Garrett Williams. <laughs> I need to. Wow, that's okay. That's I, yeah, I, I need to be better. That that you know what? That's non-winning behavior. The fact that that Garrett Williams could be walked right through here, I'd have oh, no see, idea. I thought you were going to say it's no. non-winning behavior that no. you would admit it on the podcast. Well, that too. Yeah, sometimes you know, you're right. I have been accused. To, to Paul's defense, there are players where so many players are coming in and having workouts or they are signing to the practice squad or you know there's so much movement that there are Thank players you, who don't play and, and I walk past them and I think I need to go look at the roster and see who that is That's it's, right. just, just, it's just it's just just don't funny, call the Paul. punter Gilligan and you'll be okay and by the way I got to say real quick that's the most disappointing part of where we've had to end up musically with the podcast is because inevitably the end of this podcast would have gone. The outro song would have been Gilligan's Island because that's what Omo did. So right, gotcha. Okay, I miss those days. Once again, in my own defense, nobody has had more new players added to the roster than the Arizona Cardinals in 2023. Is that because of the purge so, thing? I formally, <laughs> that's right. hence I for, the purge. I formally apologize Sorry. for ruining your segue. Yeah, it yes. was good. It, well, I was going somewhere. <laughs> I'm trying. Michael to, Williams trying to recap Michael Wilson. Right now. Michael Wilson, yes. third round picks. Right. Okay. So. He, oh, that's right. Yeah, first yeah. off, and I never asked this. I want to. It wasn't worthy of a question on the air because you know we're we're moving along post game. I want to ask him why'd you say both footballs? I mean, really, both footballs? You know, I don't know. He had two parents in attendance in the game. Maybe he gave one didn't, to each parent. Didn't Fitz save all of them? Or no? Fitz? No, not Fitz. Uh, I don't uh, know, but somebody I, did. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody save two footballs from the same same game. Did he? Emmett Smith? I think did he? Emmett did. Oh my goodness! He of course, better. then he started weed chipping them and selling them. I was going to say, yeah. Then those ended up on eBay at some point. Okay, so there's Michael Wilson, and um, at some point he was a little quiet to start, but then he got that 33 yarder. And by the way, I sort of saw that coming because he had beaten his man in, on a go route down the Cardinals sideline, and a number of Cardinals were screaming on the sideline, "Oh, 14, 14!" And I'm like, "They're coming back to that," and they did come back to that, and they hit him, and they nailed it, and then boom, all of a sudden. Niners had a real issue with Michael Wilson. But, guys, and Darren, we've gotten into this in the past, okay? <laughs> Two years ago, I think it was. I, I busted out the stat. Danny, I busted it out because Darren was giving me a hard time, but I found it. I don't know why, why The do lowest hit rate of any position group drafted in the first round of the rookie season is wide receiver. I don't know why, but receivers historically 
have had more of an issue getting traction right away than any other position group as rookies. I could use that stat, by the way, for a story this week, Paul. So get that to me yes. off the air. <laughs> so, so there's Michael Wilson. I just think, you know, he not only is he a third rounder, not only did he not even play, play a complete season at Stanford, he was so injured, but now to be doing this. And here's another little factoid somebody threw out there. It was a scout did a blog, and they said there were two receivers who just dominated, who balled at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Michael Wilson. Correct. And Puka Nakua. Ah. Those were the two guys at the Senior Bowl. How ironical is that, that you know what, that's carried over into the first month of the NFL season. I talked to Michael Wilson a little bit this week, and I'm going to keep calling him Michael Williams (laughs) for some reason. I talked to Michael Wilson a little bit this week about that. And he, it's funny, for all the injuries and the crap that he went through at Stanford, uh, barely playing because he was hurt all the time. He acknowledged that he thinks one of the reasons he's had early success is because of his age. And he goes, I know 23 isn't a lot different than 21, but he goes, I would not do what I'm doing right now if I would come to the league last year or the year before. And wow. and if he hadn't gotten hurt, he would have come in the league last year. Because of his maturity. Is that what he's saying? He's just, yeah, he he's just, more of an adult he's now? Just, he just, he gets it and he didn't get it. Now, there's other things involved. I mean, this is a guy who trained basically from as soon as he got to college. He hooked up with the former receiver, T.J. Hushmizada, and Hush has had a huge impact on it. I did a story on it over the summer. I talked to T.J. Hushmizada. He's had a huge impact on Wilson, not only training him how to be an NFL receiver, but also basically serving as a hype man hmm. uh, and, and getting Michael Wilson's confidence at a pretty lofty level and that's also helped him he said but um i think he's been he's been fantastic and it's you know something they need a big body receiver right after walking away from deandre hopkins it's a risk when you're going to rely on a rookie for that size and michael wilson has played well that risk has so far worked well for this team and it seems that it was worth that decision um i like that he when his number is called upon in big moments he has stood up to the challenge he has been the receiver that has consistently made those big time plays he leads the team in yards after catch with 69 i believe off the top of my head he has made the most of this opportunity and and you're right darren it seems like he just gets it in terms of the work and mentality that it takes and that's something we've heard since training camp he was the only rookie who wasn't getting a lot of snaps when the starters were sitting out whether that was preseason games or whatnot so that's how we knew early on that this coaching staff felt confident in Michael Wilson I think that was the question you asked offensive coordinator Drew Petzing when he talked to the media Tuesday and I I like he walks a fine line I asked him I asked him something about his confidence and you can see he didn't say it but you could see as he's like mulling what to say and he kind of smiled Look, this is a guy who knows he can't come out and say, I'm all that. <laughs> but it sure looks like he's thinking that behind behind his eyes there. And that's okay. Yep. There's nothing yep. wrong with that. Yep. Um, because I like how he doesn't say it publicly, but he's thinking it. I think he, uh, and that's a Hushmanzada thing. Hushmanzada told me, <laughs> Hushmanzada told me a lot of stuff about Michael William Wilson. God dang. But. <laughs> He, uh, he made it very clear, and this was right after the draft, so this is back in May, that Michael Wilson was the best receiver in this class, hands down. He knew the other receivers. He knew who was out there. He had seen them play. 
there was no question in his head who the best receiver was. And he was better than a couple guys who had gone in the first round in the previous couple years. And I'm like, okay, wow. hello, right. wow. That's so even uh, if it's not true, right. that's what he's been telling Michael Wilson. So Michael Wilson believes yeah. in himself. Well, if you go back to his very first press conference after he was drafted, two takeaways. Number one, it was a phenomenal press conference. He's so well-spoken. Yeah. He's so articulate. I'm like, okay, this kid just showed up. He got off the plane. He's already a top-five interview in that locker room. Number two, did he not mention how he had sort of seen the end of his own NFL career before it ever started with all the injuries? Yeah. It, it made him appreciate. It made him truly work. To get to the Senior Bowl, just the process of getting to the Senior Bowl to try and showcase his skills was such an undertaking. And maybe in some ways, instead of him thinking, oh, I belong and I deserve this and I'm the man and I've arrived and am I going to go in the first or second round? No, instead, he he looked at himself in the mirror and said, you may not make it. You may not have a, a future in football because of the injuries. So, Maybe that served as sort of not only inspiration, motivation, but maybe reset him, humbled him a little bit if if earlier he had thought, okay, guess what? I'm on a track to being a big-time star. I think he definitely has his head on straight. And now that you mentioned he is such a great interview, quick, quick power poll, top five quotes mm, in mm, the locker room mm, where's my roster okay. I gotta look at so this i'm gonna go quick. i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna have my own five you guys yeah. can disagree okay i, I would definitely I don't have a roster in front of me Mike, okay. michael wilson hump dj humphreys yep yelda froholt mm, borderline what top five yeah. this is this is exclusive so rare, far, rare. I, I would agree with with wilson and hump okay but who are you putting in there above froholt kaiser white zaven collins zaven collins i'm putting in there I like Kaiser White, but he might give you may he might you might get a little more emotion. Maybe this is the difference between audio and written. I, I like Kaiser White, but Froholt gets you this the substance is is deeper. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying on that one. Uh, don't don't missing. forget so about who are, your, who are your last two. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm trying to come up with. <laughs> don't that. Forget. Well, Zavin is in there, so yeah. that's four. Okay, Kelvin Beecham. Even though Beach he hasn't is, seen the field. Beach is pretty good. Yeah. Beach is pretty good. Although Beach can fall into a cliche. Like, I'm looking for somebody who's going to Dennis say a little something. Yeah. Mm. Dennis has been so I think I think lately. I think my three so far are Michael Wilson, DJ Humphreys, and Zayvon Collins. Oh, you're forgetting an automatic. An yeah. absolute automatic. You're forgetting. Josh Dobbs? Thank you. Oh, Dobbs. Okay. That's, that's it. So those, that's are, those are my five. So we, we have yeah. the same four right now. By Although the way, I, don't, I didn't have Kaiser White. Just for your ears and the listeners of Cardinals Underground. I believe in you, Yelda. This is the week I ask my question. This is the week I ask Josh Dobbs. Let's go. Let's go, Paul. This is where I ask him. Josh. I'm I'm excited. Josh, do you believe in aliens? That's going to be the question. I'm here for it. Or should I go with UFOs? Do you believe in UFOs or I go with aliens? Well, if if you're asking about UFOs, like... Aren't they tied together? Yeah, but like I'm thinking if you're asking about UFOs, you might as well ask about the aliens, right? (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. You know, just if you're going there, just go for the gusto. Go for all Well, don't say believe. Say, Josh, we would like your opinion on the subject of UFOs and aliens. Go. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. Oh, you know who else is a good quote? As a NASA guy. Yes. Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good too. Yes. That might be my five yeah. right now. Yeah. I feel like you guys aren't giving Froholt enough credit. 
Just because we don't agree with you doesn't mean we're wrong, and it doesn't mean that Yelda Froholt is not a good quote. That's a good point. Well, you got to get him talking about his weight room, where he has the Atlas stones in there, where he's Magnus for Froholt. The you desert know, the old school. Yes, right. You got to you got to get him talking about the weight room kind of thing. That's that's what you do on that front. By the way, Paris Johnson Jr. Okay, he made it to the through the first four games. You saw Micah Parsons. You saw Nick Bosa. You got a taste of Javon Hargrave. Obviously, came out of the gates with the four first-round picks in the Washington Commanders, minus Chase Young. Then he got Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau. What have we concluded about the sixth pick overall? He's a dude, isn't he? I think so. I've noticed that uh, I interact – well, I don't interact, but I see the comments of some fans on some of our stories that are very anti-Paris Johnson. What? I haven't seen any of that. Okay, hit the brakes here. Uh, If I had some water in my mouth, I'd do a spit take. Why would you be anti- I'm glad you didn't because this is very expensive. You have water right by you. Yeah, why would you you do – why would you be anti-Paris Johnson Jr.? He's a rookie. He's four games in. He's at a ridiculous degree of difficulty in the opponents he's faced. What's not to like? Some of the arguments I've seen is that the, he has not played well, supposedly. I don't know what PFF is, pro football focus grades are, and they're talking mm. about penalties and okay. hold. Uh, I don't know. You know what I think of? I think of Justin Pugh when I think of PFF and O-line ratings. Who's in the news because he just signed with the New York Giants. I saw that. Very interesting. I think practice squad. Yeah. Yeah. For now. That, that'll be yeah. like a Roy right. Lopez practice squad. He's there for like two days and then very interesting. Christian so, Matthew just signed a practice squad with the uh, Bears. Oh, that was fast. Okay. Yeah, so like, so <laughs> just during this podcast. Wow. Okay. Is there any chance? Okay. You know what? There's always a There's good, always a chance. There's Paul. always a chance for a hot take. And you might want to put on the oven mitts for this one. Do you see the um social media post from a certain former Cardinals defensive lineman who is back in Houston working out with the Texans staff at like five in the morning, hitting like the weight sled and all these other things that why would you be doing those football specific Paul, type workouts? Uh uh-uh, uh, don't even say your hot and take. The, and where are the Cardinals most banged up? What position group? Mm-mm, Might Paul. it be the same one he plays? Now he's not Farvian in any way, shape, or form. Let's JJ Watt is not coming out of retirement I mean, and I don't, rejoining the Arizona Cardinals. As he, of right now, nobody's wearing 99 either. So I'm seems just saying. like he is loving life, golfing, okay. and I don't know about sleeping in because he's still waking up early. He's got. Right, his business endeavors, and he's involved he's got a in a soccer whole bunch team of things. To own. <laughs> That's true. He's raising his young son. Yeah, as yeah. as great as it would yeah. be for JJ to come back, because I'm sure it wouldn't take long, if time at all, for him to adjust and get out there and start wrecking offenses. That is too hot of a hot take. For I, me. I'm not. That's so hot that I'm not even going to put it yeah. in the podcast okay. description when gotcha. we're done okay. here. Okay, that's good. All right, you're probably doing me people a favor. Are, people are just going to find it, yep. and then just okay. their jaws are going to drop. He's going to listen to this. He's going to respond to you on Twitter like him on the golf course drinking wait, a beer. Wait, 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 saying, wait. He's going to listen to this. Yeah, he ain't going yeah. to. Yeah, because, say, it, because no way, Paul. Because it can always get worse. It might just now when I ask an even dumber question potentially. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he sign a broadcast deal? It, What's isn't he? Doesn't he have a studio gig this year? Like I believe he it, does. So was it with C, CBS? Maybe I think so. I don't remember. That's the a details. good point. I honestly haven't seen any of that. You're, like, you're so, busy on Sundays. Well, Paul. I am when, on game when day. would you have noticed? I don't know. I, I'm just wondering on, on game days. <laughs> He's probably been broadcasting with Garrett Williams, and I just didn't know either one. Wow. I mean, was that really? Was the Garrett Williams comment 
that big of a misstep that that it, it deserves. No, it wasn't. I'm I mean, so sorry. That's Paul. right, like repeated flogging right there. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's. Uh, you hey, know. did you sorry. see? Did you see the video of that's ro- unnecessary wait, wait. roughness? Did you, is what that did is. Did you see the video of the Rondale Moore out of nowhere block of the defensive lineman of the 49ers I this weekend? See that. No, you just did that to Paul. <laughs> I did not see that. Oh yeah, my they God. ran. They ran Rondale. It was he was is the defensive end wide on hump, and they ran Rondale in motion past the defensive end, and they snapped it, and the defensive end starts going at at uh, hump and like obviously ignores Rondale, and Rondale just freaking slams him on wow. the backside, and he goes flying. This huge defensive lineman. That's that's what Danny just. did. I'm here. sorry, Paul. At your expense, yeah. it was just yeah. too funny not yeah. to. By the way, Rondell was awful quiet in the game, wasn't he? How many targets did he have? It just seemed like the chemi- if there was one combination that was not clicking, it was Dobbs to Rondell Moore against the Niners. Uh, I, I also feel like Zach Ertz. That it wasn't well, clicking? Yeah. wasn't clicking. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. But that's been it was persistent, seemed, right. unfortunately. That was a weird, like the play at the end of the game, and I know it was the end of the game, but Ertz caught it and then he ran back like three yards and then... Two targets of Rondell Moore, zero catches, zero production. It's funny because end of the week I went in KNBR, the Niners radio station in the Bay Area, and the first question was, okay, do you guys have your own Debo Samuel? Because they saw the 45-yard touchdown run out of the backfield against the Dallas Cowboys, so they all want to know uh, what are, what's the Niners' defense expecting with a Rondell Moore? They on this Rondell Moore kick. And then we had him on the Big Red Rage, and I asked him about whether they had added running back to his job description, and, um, yeah, he wasn't real forthcoming on that. So um, – I don't know. You still think that's in the cards, so to speak, this year? I don't, I don't know. I, I know, well, you talk about not being used, like the play that I just explained to you where he hit the, the – yep. after he's done doing the hit, he bounced back out for the quick screen, and they threw it out to him, and that was that play that got blown up, which was really weird. Like I, would have, I wouldn't have mind retweeting the video of that, but then it ended horribly. And, and, and apropos of absolutely nothing, you went on KMBR? That's correct. Okay. See, because my buddy lives in – in the Bay Area, and he was listening, and he mentioned the fact that he had heard a Cardinals person do an interview on KMBR, and it wasn't me, and he was saying some not-so-nice things about you. He didn't know who it was. I didn't know who it was. <laughs> wow. He Give goes, me his I, can't, I can't believe Give me his it number, wasn't. Darren. Who, my friend Todd? Yeah. So, so I'm okay. not going to let anybody slander Paul's I was going to say he's married. So it's I'm not, not going <laughs> to let anybody slander Paul's name, Darren. Well, he, he didn't right. know it was Paul. I asked o- him who it was. Only Danny can slander Paul, as <laughs> she did earlier. You. But when somebody else slanders Paul, it's like your little brother. Only I can pick on my little brother. When you pick on your little brother, well, now you got hell to pay. I just, that caught it. my ear when you said KMBR. Okay, I, we're I, in the trust I, tree. What did your buddy say? What didn't he like about the interview? He doesn't like the well, cut of my jib? I mean, what's it, going on? Because it wasn't me. Oh, I see. I mean, he's well, just being loyal. Darren, it, look, I grew up with this guy. The, the ego blow to both of us is I think they went after Pash. <laughs> Pash oh, couldn't wow. do it, so then they settled for one of us. That's usually well, the way the it works. What the hell is Dave doing? Well, you know, it's Greg Papa, the voice of the uh, Niners. Oh, yeah. And there's that whole Syracuse Mafia again. Yet another Syracuse guy, Greg Papa. So that's the way that works. That's weak. Yeah. So yeah. Go home, Craig Greenlee. All right, what else did we miss in this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation? Danny, anything else that, uh, you know, is, uh, is there a burr under your saddle of any sorts uh, beyond just my comments about uh, Garrett Williams? <laughs> anything else that has you all worked up that you want to, you know, share with th- the group? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I mean, is there anything else? Can we help you out with any other uh, issues that might contribute to mental health? What else do we have here? I mean, how bad is Joe Burrow going to be? These numbers, I mean, are horrific. You realize that the Cardinals go 
from playing the quarterback with the top passer rating in the NFL, Brock Purdy, to the quarterback with the worst passer rating in the NFL in Joe Burrow. I mean, he's been bad. And even Zach Taylor, after this loss, the Bengals head coach, said something along the lines of, yeah, there's limitations, admitting he's far from 100%. So if he's got a right calf injury, which he does, and he's immobile, and where's the quote from uh, Tyler Boyd said, well, yeah, Tennessee, they were all out blitzing us. I don't blame teams. If I was a DC, I'd do the same, meaning our quarterback can't move. If Joe Burrow weren't hurt, I would be worried for a game like this for a team like the Bengals to come in and use this as the turning point for their season. Joe Burrow seems significantly like in pain because it seems like every week it's a question whether or not he's going to play. So I, I feel like if he were healthy, that would obviously be a different story, but it doesn't really seem like the Bengals, until Joe Burrow is able to get healthy, if he is, it doesn't really seem like they're going to be as formidable as, they, as they've been in recent years. For example, last year they started 0-2, and then they won 12 out of 14, won the division, went to the AFC Championship game. I mean, here's a team that the last two years has won a, won a road playoff game at KC and at Buffalo. So they have the dudes. Yeah, they have the dudes. They have the quarterback when he's healthy, but he's most definitely not. He got sacked three times against Tennessee. He got hit nine times. His accuracy is horrendous. He's like just over 50% completion percentage. I don't, whereas he had been the most accurate quarterback in the NFL the last couple of years. Their offensive line is not awesome. No. And then you put in the fact. It's funny with Jonathan Gannon talking so much, and the questions come up a lot, which fairly, about how well Josh Dobbs can run and 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 be in that part of game. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon basically has said a couple times, I don't think you can get along in this league these days if your quarterback can't do that. And now they're about to play a team where that their quarterback yeah. absolutely yeah. can't do it. Yeah. Now, it may be injury-induced, but... Look, this is a, this is a grand opportunity for the Cardinals to get a second win to to do it against obviously a name team that was supposed to do something this year. They're not in the same way, but like you talk about, I mean, you had Tyler Boyd saying a a very straightforward, "Hey, I'd blitz too." Like you had Jamar Chase using f bombs to talk about how he's open, yeah, because he's frustrated as heck. Yeah. So it's it's not just that they're not producing, but it's starting to eat at them. Here's what's interesting, and I have to figure out the way to ask this to the head coach so he doesn't just shut it down immediately. I don't think he believes in UFOs. <laughs> as an infringement upon the game plan. Like, I have to ask this so it's not viewed as classified information, but if everybody is blitzing Joe Burrow, which they are, and even the Bengals players are saying, yeah, it makes sense, I'd blitz my quarterback too. Uh, he's, you know, everything except on crutches back there. But the Cardinals have the lowest blitz rate in the league. That's not the DNA and identity of this Cardinals defense through four weeks. So does that uh, go just go against who the Cardinals defense is? Well, let me ask you this. Who who are you looking at to blitz when you look at who's on the roster? How they've been lining up? I mean, Buddha's hurt. Buddha's not out there. I, like, genuinely, who, who could this Cardinals defense rely on to blitz? Well, Jalen Thompson out of the slot, a Kaiser White, Mike Backer through the A or B gap. You can bring out, you know, a guy like a, a Chris Barnes who can move. He could be a, a blitzer. You can run some five-man fronts if you want. And I'll go. It might be a little dicey considering how banged up you are on the D line at this point. But I mean, there's always, you know, we saw some corner blitzes in the preseason. 
Maybe you do someone off the edge, a speed guy untouched, and Joe Burrow obviously can't move or extend I, the play. I know you were saying it's not in their DNA, but the first thing I think of when you – I don't think it generally is in their DNA, but the first thing I think of is when you, you mention that is is both Nick Rollis and Jonathan Gannon always talking about we're going to – True. We're going to yep. adapt each week. And, and if you yep. come in and you think Joe Burrow can't move and it would behoove you to bring some blitzers, I absolutely yep. believe that, would, that could happen. Okay. Yeah, adapt or die, right? How many times has Jonathan Gannon said that as one of his mantras? So, I don't know if he said exactly that. Has he said exactly said, that? I think adapt, adapt or, or die? Didn't he? Or, or die? So I know I've heard adapt. Maybe I adapted the adapt phrase into, Maybe. into a into a pithy moniker, or so I thought. Um, yeah, I'll have to go back and check whether that's an accurate quote See, or not. I don't use pithy enough in my life. <laughs> That's a good word. But use penultimate. So I, I did I, use I, penultimate. I had to come up with something. I was, I was waiting for you guys yeah. to say something yeah. against you know, me there. Yeah. So my penultimate stat that I'll throw out there is just that uh, Cincinnati's offense is the lowest scoring in the league at 12.3 points per game. And they here's my final stat. They haven't even scored a touchdown in the first half. So if you can come out and grab a lead, get back to your fast start that you had in the first three weeks, and then maybe remove some belief, because this historically has not been a team built – to come back the Bengals they're very much predicated on a balanced offense and when they get behind they can't run Joe Mixon and they're just throwing it and now your quarterback's a sitting duck so but Zach Taylor said to start the week Joe Burrow is most definitely his starting quarterback and will play but the thing I'm keeping my eye on is wide receiver Jamar Chase right if if you're Joe Burrow if you're Jamar Chase and you're looking at I mean to be fair if you're looking at where a consistent area that this Cardinals defense has been picked on it's Marco Wilson and Keetra Clark and you know what the one game they won they beat the Rams in week three Danny you're probably not surprised to learn that Jamar Chase had a dozen catches for a buck 41 so if Jamar Chase goes off guess what Bengals usually win those games but if you can get a Cardinals win in this one you go to two and three and then you have the Rams in week five the Rams lost to this Bengals team very much a winnable game at the Rams. All of a sudden, you're three and three after six weeks. Hello, how much does that, that defy Cliff all? Kingsbury the... three and three in his first season after I, six weeks. I, I honestly don't remember. I do not know. I, that, that, I'm not saying that as a joke. No. I see you smiling a little bit. I, I'm just, I'm just, I think that that rings a bell to me. I'm just saying that if you hit zoom out a little bit, the first four games were quite a challenge for the Cardinals. There's a stretch where. You have a good chance to stay 500. And if you're staying 500 going into December, guess what? You're in the running for that final wild card. This is why it is so stupid to ever look at strength of schedule before the season starts because yes. you don't know. Right. Like, the Cardinals should have beat Washington. They absolutely should have beat the Giants, and that's only going to become more apparent as the weeks yeah. go by. They got the Cowboys okay, the 49ers, but the Bengals are struggling. The Rams are winnable. Um, you know, I don't. The, I mean, you still have Atlanta. You still have Houston. I mean, the, the, the Ravens are going to have to come cross country. Yep. I mean, so look, playoffs. Here we come. All I'm saying is, and the, you know what? I lied. This is my final point. As bad as the Giants look on Monday night, and they look bad, and they give up 11 sacks. Think about what they did last year. They went from a four-win team that had more than 50 million dollars in dead cap money to a playoff spot. They won a playoff game. I mean, who would have thought that with a Daniel Jones? And so you just never know. That's that's just the great essence. I mean, who knows what's still coming from Josh Dobbs? I mean, if Josh Dobbs went out there and 
you know, took that next step against this Cincinnati defense. Uh, at this point, I don't think anybody should be shocked. Maybe the rest of the NFL will be. But if you're Cleveland, if you're Cleveland and you just watch DTR stink Ooh. up the joint, how disappointed are you that you only took a fifth round pick for Josh Dobbs, who could be the answer because a they have every, minus a seventh. They they have everything else you need on that team, obviously minus Nick Chubb, which is horrific, but. Uh, everything else on that team is ready to win, plug and play. The only thing that could kill that team is a bad rookie quarterback, and that's what they have now. What's 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 the next step for Josh? You like if Josh Dobbs can take the next step, what's the next step at this point? The next step for me with Josh Dobbs is um, just the consistency. Like we saw some missed receivers in the first quarter. Yeah, just just. There was one really bad throw that should have been intercepted in it. You yeah. could, as soon as it, yeah. soon as it left his hand, he knew it came out yeah. wrong. So you know, I don't know why or how that happens exactly, but if you can get four quarters of that sort of clean football, uh, you know, you really just saw a second half of it against Dallas. The numbers were great; his passer rating was one twenty, but that obviously was boosted greatly by the sixty-nine yard connection to a wide open Michael Wilson. But if you can actually get four quarters of that sort of football. And uh, and then the run game, I I just you know some of the design quarterback runs and quarterback power with Josh Dobbs, I think is is just great stuff for this Cardinals offense. And to your point, Jonathan Gannon values that probably more than we ever envisioned. And I think when we, in hindsight now, it is a huge, if not primary, reason why they made the move away from Colt McCoy. Right? I one hundred percent absolutely. Agree. Yeah. It, it wasn't in the, you know it wasn't Colt's age. I don't think it was his arm. Now, those two 11-on-11 practices against the Vikings regulars, the starters, were not good. But beyond that, I just think they really value the aspect of a quarterback giving that threat of pulling it and running it against a defense. Which is good news for Kyler Murray when he returns. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we all speculated, oh, geez, how how different is the offense going to look when Kyler comes? Well, no. Why? Why does it have to look that much different when Kyler comes back? Now, every quarterback has his favorite plays, but there's been enough of getting Josh Dobbs out into space that what the if they would add Colt McCoy and made the transition to a Kyler Murray, so there's another reason why they made the move for Josh Dobbs. It's much more of a seamless transition now, don't you think? Agreed, 100%. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Uh, Darren wants to eat his trail mix. so um, I, I was funny today. <laughs> Okay, that's absolutely going in an opening. Yeah, at my expense. Uh, Cody is nodding his head up and down. Yes, it is. You're funny at my expense. I mean, it was Sorry, you know, Paul. it was a personal yeah, attack no one's sort of humor. That, Paul. <laughs> that's right. That's what we're you... not laughing with you. We're right. laughing at you. Right. That's called serving the team. That was my part today to serve the team, just to take take one for the team. Well, actually, I took multiple for the team from Danny Sarek. So I'm going to end this before it gets even worse. Here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs> 